Friday, November 18th, 2016, here on the Patriots Beat Podcast, presented by Indokino on CLNS Radio. We will be reviewing the Patriots' second loss of the season to the Seattle Seahawks, 31-24. to We're also previewing their game against the San Francisco 49ers as Tom Brady makes his return to the Bay Area. We'll be welcoming on Song Park, an intern for KNBR, the flagship station of the San Francisco 49ers, as well as welcoming in Doug Kide, the Patriots beat writer for Nesson and Nesson.com. All that and more on this episode of the Patriots Beat Podcast. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Thanks, LHR. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Patriots Beat. I'm your returning host, finally back after missing last week. Harris Rubenstein is episode number 150 on the Patriots Beat podcast on CLNS Radio. Go find us on clnsradio.com, on Twitter at CLNS Radio, and at Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Sorry for missing last week's episode, guys. Had a crazy week here at school. Helped head up the uh, the Emerson College election show as their Matt Man. Then I recorded my own episode of our famous TV show here, The Box Score. And then I hosted a, a video game tournament on Sunday. So a little bit of a crazy week for your boy. But I'm back this week after their first loss of the season. We're going to be talking a little Patriots 49ers as well with our resident KNBR intern, Song Park. KNBR, for those of you who don't know, is the flagship station of your San Francisco, I guess, of your San Francisco 49ers, Song Park. Song, thank you for joining us. How you doing, buddy? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to the Patriots' loss of Seattle on the second half of the show. But I want to start off, since we have you here now, we're going to get right into their game against the San Francisco 49ers. So... This is the almighty return of Tom Brady to Santa Clara, California. Born right down the street, like four miles away. The California boy returns to California to play in San Francisco for the first time in his career. This 49ers team is not the team that he grew up watching, though, Song. This team is bad. Yeah, no, they really aren't. Uh, Their biggest problem right now is not even offensively, but... They just can't stop the run. The defensive front is having massive issues trying to stop the run. Uh, they're just getting beat at the line of scrimmage, and it's really showing. Uh, for a point, they allowed seven straight 100-yard rushers, which was an NFL record. It was just uh, brutal to watch. And last week, they showed a lot of improvement, especially on the defensive front. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do with the Patriots running game. I mean, it was kind of, did they not give up 100 rushing yards to David Johnson last week? Uh, yeah, they had their best performance uh, since wow. they uh, shut out the Rams in week one. I believe they allowed 80 total yards of rushing last year. So last 80 week. total yards of rushing against uh, Arizona Cardinals team. That's a pretty good <laughs> team running the ball, especially when it comes to the David Johnson being a monster. I mean, he did still score 
three touchdowns, which was, you know, you call it, you call it like you see it. But one thing that I, I have started to like actually on the 49ers side of the ball, I've always been a big fan of Colin Kaepernick. Through this whole anthem thing this year that he's been uh, that he's been on through not voting through whatever's been happening with Colin Kaepernick, I've always been a fan of Colin Kaepernick, the football player. How has he been since returning to the starting lineup? Well, for the first couple games, he was uh, trying to get it comfortable again on the offense. This is another new offense that he's had to learn under Chip Kelly. Um, it's a little bit more s- similar to what he did in college. And he struggled the first couple games. He was very inconsistent. He was inaccurate throwing the ball. But the last two games, um, he's been better. He's been a better decision maker. He's taken some shots down the field. And last week, all things considered, I think he played well. It's kind of tough to judge him on offense, too, because... You know, you just you look at their weapons. It's what Quentin Patton, who is a massive busted wide receiver out of Louisiana Tech. You have Torrey Smith, who Torrey, Torrey Smith did not deserve a five-year, forty million dollar deal from the San Francisco 49ers. He should have stayed with Joe Flacco in Baltimore. And you also have to look at the fact that their you know their tight ends are Vance McDonald, Vance McDonald and then the the, the the third Selleck, Garrett Selleck. Garrett Selleck. There you go. So, you know, I, I like Kaepernick as a runner. I like Kaepernick as a thrower. I think he's a great arm. But, I mean, ever since Harbaugh left, he just, you know, yeah, he just hasn't been the same player. Well, not only that, but they need to start running Chip Kelly's offense because Chip Kelly, when he was with Philadelphia and when he was with Oregon, he was known for fast-paced you know, offense that kept the defense on its heels. And we really haven't seen that. They come up to the line of scrimmage, they look over to the sideline, and a lot of times they'll snap the ball with under 10 seconds on the play clock, and that's not their offense. Mm-hmm. Their offense is built on keeping the defense on its heels, and we haven't seen that at all. And a lot of that is personnel, but I think Kelly needs to do a better job of implementing a system to where he can cater to his offense and they need to see what they have mm-hmm. because, let's face it, this is not a very good football team. They're 1-8, and eight, and this team needs to get ready for next year because this team is at least a couple of years away from being competitive, and I don't think anybody is fooling themselves there. You know, one of the guys that I really like on this 49ers offense, I, I, I love Carlos Hyde. I've loved Carlos Hyde since he was at Ohio State because, you know, there's just some guys who are – just tough runners. They run at you. They don't do that. He he is a better version of Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. He doesn't do the shimmy shake at the line of scrimmage. He doesn't try to do fancy stuff with his feet that he knows he can't do. He gets a line of scrimmage and he goes forward. He goes forward through holes. He goes forward through lanes and he gets like four yards of carry because it, it is weird that so many running backs – I, I call it the LaShawn McCoy disease. Every every running back coming out of college thinks they're LaShawn McCoy. They do the stutter steps and the and the yippy-yappies and the jibber-jabbers back and forth, and they just fall over. It, 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 James White does this for the Patriots whenever you give him the ball in the backfield. They've got the line of scrimmage, do the shimmy shake, someone will touch him, two yards, he falls over. Carlos Hyde, he runs straight, he runs hard. Been a big guy for my fantasy team this year. 
But I think he's a guy the Patriots need to watch out for because the only person they have on their defense that's actually capable of stopping him is Dante Hightower, who did not, I repeat, did not have a good game against the Seattle Seahawks. Did not. This, and I don't blame Jamie Collins being gone. I blame it on the fact that everyone on that defense played like crap. It wasn't a play-calling issue. It wasn't this or that. They all just played like crap. So they need to play better. That, that's all that it comes down to. The problem with Carlos Hyde right now is that he just can't stay healthy. Yeah. Um, he's missed several games in his NFL career due to injury, and he needs to somehow stay on the field because he has good potential, uh, but he needs to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he hasn't had the best year even when he's been on the field. A lot of that has to do with the offensive line and the – young offensive line that uh, is very inexperienced and has not played well at times, although better than last year. Yeah. So the key for Carlos Hyde is to stay on the field and stay healthy because he has potential, but he's not been able to do that so far in his NFL career. And I think one of the other things before we move on to the Pats offense versus the 49ers defense, one of these things about the Niners uh, offense versus the Pats defense that they, they've – you know, if, if if a team is struggling with pass rush and they can't exactly figure out the other half of their secondary, I think this is a good game to try to experiment with people, you know? They, they, even, they even even attempted to put Cyrus Jones, their highest draft pick, on the field for the past two weeks, or four weeks, excuse me, as a starter on defense. You know, uh, Justin Coleman's been crap. Logan Ryan is... I, I think Logan Ryan's in the middle of the worst season of his career so far, and it's back. It's just a contract year for him, but... You know, the 49ers, you know, Torrey Smith, I, you know, you always have to worry about Torrey Smith down the field, but that, that's Devin McCourty and Deron Harmon's job. They've done a good job of, of avoiding the deep ball down the field. But again, you know, it, it, this is a team, every year the Patriots have a trap game where it's a game you look on the schedule, usually it's post by. It happened last year in Philly where you go in and you're like, all right, this team is, this, this is a low-quality team. You need to play good because if you don't, they will surprise you and you will all of a sudden find yourself behind because Colin Kaepernick is all of a sudden thrown for 300 yards on you because you've gotten lazy. Can't get lazy. And remember, the Niners have nothing to lose. Right. They have nothing to lose. They're not going to the playoffs. They just have to play hard. And they're playing for jobs. Mm -hmm. And if you quit in these type of games and you're 1-8, you're not going to be in the league. True. So let's switch gears. Let's look at the Pats offense versus the 49ers defense. Now, the 49ers defense has not been what I'd call stellar this year, but they do have a couple of bright spots, whether it's uh, Antoine Buffet, who's been you know one of the most consistent safeties in the NFL past, what, decade now? When he was at the Colts, now at the Niners. Has been a little iffy this season, yes, but still pretty quality. Jaqueski Tart, one of the great names in the NFL, Jaqueski Tart. Uh, no, one of my favorite linebackers in the NFL, Navarro Bowman, you know, out for the season with that torn Achilles tendon, right? Tore his Achilles. Rest, I, I love Navarro Bowman. I thought that's, I thought Jamie Collins was the perfect comp to Navarro Bowman. I thought they were so similar. I love Navarro Bowman, one of my favorite linebackers. Should be a Hall of Fame linebacker. If, 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 if people remember what he was like with Patrick Willis, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Right, and I think right now the key for the 49ers defense is tackling. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be in the running game or in the passing game, they have not tackled well this season, and that's been really showing on 
You know, they're just statistics. They've been giving up a lot of big runs. We talk about the point of point of attack and we talk about everything else, but we also have to talk about the lack of tackling. Right. And the lack of tackling has really affected the 49ers, and it's something they have to do this week because the Patriots will burn them if they don't. Now, I have a question for you because this is, this is something I've kind of wanted to get you on the record about. So, you know, th- this is a 49ers team that for at least the past decade and a half – have centered their entire defense around the middle linebacker position, whether it was Patrick Willis, whether it was Navarro Bowman. Then it was Chris Borland, obviously retired two years ago now. Two years ago now. Do you believe if Chris Borland was still on this team that the defense would be able to build more efficiently? Or do you think him being absent has opened up roles for other people in a quality way? Here's here's the problem. There's just not enough talent to supplement anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if Chris Borman was here still, you know, you have a defensive line that is very young, to say the least. You have a secondary that has played very poorly at mm-hmm. times. So I don't think one guy um, is going to change much, would change much, I should say. And I think Chris Borman being there wouldn't change a whole lot. Um I just think that the 49ers have gone so bad at talent evaluation on both sides of the football that there's such a depreciation of talent on the football team, and I don't think Chris Borland would necessarily change anything because right now the linebacker position on the 49ers is awful. Squat. There's no one there. I'm pretty sure they're still rolling with the same – is it the same backup? The you, had, you guys had that backup middle linebacker for Willis for the longest time. Michael Wilhoyt. Michael Wilhoyt. Is he still there? He's starting. Let's go! I love Michael uh, Wilhoyt. I love that guy. He's, he was on the Niners. Oh, man, he's been there forever. I love that guy. Um, so they have him, one guy on the defense that, you know, I, I'm a big NFL draft guy. I love the NFL draft. One of the guys that I really swung and missed on was Eric Reed. I thought Eric Reed was going to end up being one of the premier safeties in the NFL. And he started off that way. I mean, his rookie, he was one of the best defensive rookies, you know, of his class. And then after his second, it was him and Kenny Vaccaro had the same career path. They had great rookie seasons. Then their second year in the league, they just went, they just went right into the ground. And, you know, you're looking at a team right now. Gronkowski's probably going to be out this week. There's no need to push him. You know, it possible punctured lung off that hit from Earl Thomas, which was, by, by the way, I love seeing the mad respect between two NFL players. Like, they, you know, they're tweeting back and forth with each other. But people, there's no bromance between Rob Gronkowski and Earl Thomas. No. There was a nice hit. Earl Thomas was like, hey, I hope you recover. Gronk was like, hey, nice hit. I hope I do too. See you on the football field. And everyone's like, oh, look at the bromance. I'm like, no, it's just. They're just two really good players throwing a little respect at each other. But, you know, Martellus Bennett this week will probably be the lead tight end. And I don't really – who's the answer to for tight ends this year on the Niners' defense? The short answer is I do not know. Oh, God. Uh, because the tight ends on every team have roasted the 49ers' defense. Um, I think there's just not enough speed to cover, you know, the tight end position – the linebackers are slow. The secondary is not very fast. And getting back to your read on Eric Reed, point on Eric Reed, I should say, 
what happened with Eric Reed is he had a very good rookie season, as you said. A great rookie season. And then he dealt with injuries. And then the scheme that they employed does not fit his style at all. Yeah. Um, he's not the type of safety that is going to just burn everybody and uh, make up for getting beat by speed. He's not that type of safety. He has to play position a lot. Um, and the defense scheme for the 49ers hasn't been that uh, good to his style in the last couple of seasons. He's always seemed to me to be a if, – if he was in the correct system, I felt like he was going to turn into Eric Weddle. Just a guy that you put at free safety, you don't tell him what to do, you just let him play free safety. Just let him go, let him do his thing, and he'll figure it out along the way. And that's what they did his rookie season. They are like, all right, you were a sick ball hawk in college. Go ball hawk. Have fun. And he nailed it. He was great. And it it was a little disappointing for me because I feel like when they brought in Antoine Bethea, because that was another thing that I thought kind of hurt his career a little bit, they brought in a player to me who was too similar to him. And it didn't counter him well. Usually, for every for every Eric Weddle, you want a Patrick Chung. You don't want you know you don't want Devin McCourty and Eric Weddle on the same team. Their 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 styles are too similar. They conflict too much. So, you know, once they brought in Bethay, I was like, you know, well, are you, I, I get that you're trying to bring in like a a senior safety to try to mentor him a little bit, take him through the position. But it's almost like they brought in a veteran who was too good at what he did, and it blocked a lot of his development. Well, and when they brought in Bethay, um, as you said, they didn't complement each other very well. And the skill set that both had to match up against teams was very limited because they were similar. Right. So they couldn't cover certain guys properly. When Deshaun Goldson was there, the previous safety, uh, now with the... T- now he's on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I don't know what's gone on with him. I think but, he got cut, honestly. Um, when he was with the 49ers, he was very good. He was amazing. He was uh, one of the best strong safeties in football. And that's because he complimented, complimented the safeties and the secondaries and the secondary very, very well. Hmm. And back in 2011, when the 49ers were, you know, under Harbaugh for the first year, their safeties and secondary was very, very good because they complemented their system. Who was that corner that they had that year? They had one corner who was really good. Carlos Rogers. Carlos Rogers. That was right. Carlos Rogers. Then he left and never did anything ever again. Right. He was bad. He was on the. He got. He got, got signed by the Raiders. It was bad. So uh, I have to ask though. So the one unit because I, I I know the. Fortnite's defensive line really well. I know DeForest Buckner is having a pretty decent year. I know that Eric Armstead, their first round pick from two years ago, is now on IR with a leg injury. Uh, something. Some type of injury. Something. Something happened to him. And then uh, they. Sh- shoulder, I believe. Shoulder, I believe. They still have Aaron Lynch, who's had a very underwhelming year this year after having a pretty promising first couple of years in the NFL. But the one unit I don't know on the 49ers, I need your help. Take me through their cornerbacks because the the Patriots wide receiver core this year has been a little bit weak. Not weak, like you know, Edelman's been okay. Uh, he's been trying. To, he's been since he hasn't been getting the ball as much. He's trying to do too much when he does have the ball. Uh, Hoke 
excuse me, Chris Hogan's only been good deep down the field. Amendola isn't getting playing time. Malcolm Mitchell isn't getting thrown to. So their wide receivers have been a little bit weaker than I think a lot of people expected. So take me through their cornerback scheme. How are they going to attack this Patriots wide receiver court? So the 49ers cornerbacks have not played very well at all this season. Uh, they have a couple of big-bodied corners. Uh, the Niners like big-bodied cornerbacks a lot. And uh, they try to uh, play in a way that um, they play a lot of man-to-man. Uh, I've noticed, and Jim O'Neill's scheme plays in a way that is very, very uh, conservative at times, which I don't like. Um, but you can beat the Niner defense, you can beat the Niner secondary, specifically with speed. Um, so I think that if you take a lot of deep shots, if you're the Patriots, you can have this cornerback sec- uh, unit. And uh, you have uh, Reeser, you have a lot of injuries at the corner position, and frankly, I have no idea how they're going to match up with the Patriot wide receivers because they have not been very good this season. Mm-hmm. Well, Song, before we let you go, give me your final prediction for this season, or excuse me, for, for this game. Patriots 49ers, 425 on CBS coming up this weekend in the new Levi Stadium if he stadium at best. Song, what is your final prediction for this game? Give me a score. 34-17 Pats. 34-17 Pats. I'm going to go a little bit higher than that. The Patriots, when when they're angry, they take it out on bad teams. I'm going to go 45-16. to I know that sounds really rough, but... This defense is still going to give up yards. They're going to give up. They're going to give up a lot of field goals. I can see the 49ers coming with a touchdown and three or four field goals. But the Pats are just going to come out and try to roast these guys and just try to get their season back on track. But Song Park, our resident KNVR intern, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to get now into our Seattle Seahawks review of this past week. Song again. Thank you for joining us. I'll see you around campus. Before we review the Seattle Seahawks game from this past weekend, are you looking for the perfect gift? Let me tell you about Omaha Steaks and about how for only $49.99 you can get my family gift pack when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter my code BEAT in the search bar. That's 77% off your next order. Omaha Steaks offers unique gifts for gourmet food lovers. You get a great steak experiences at home, the most flavorful tendered aged beef, plus seafood, poultry, pork, veal, and lamb, plus veggies, desserts, appetizers, pasta, soups, seasoning, sauces, and so much more. You have over 500 gourmet gift ideas with the highest quality cuts and ingredients with a one-of-a-kind flavor. Convenient and quick shopping for those on your list. Age for 21 days to unlock the full flavors of the cuts. They're hand-trimmed, vacuum-sealed with some online recipes and wine pairings and so much more. I actually used them the past weekend when my parents visited my apartments. We enjoyed cooking up those steaks together. Had some great recipes on top of it as well, all given to us by the fellas at Omaha Steaks. So right now, Omaha Steaks is giving an exclusive savings just to my listeners. Listen to everything that you will get for less than $50. Two filet mignons, two top sirloins, two boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, 12 ounces package of all beef meatballs, four potatoes, all gratin, four caramel apple tartlets, one Omaha Steaks seasoning package, plus you get four additional kielbasa 
Chocolate Sausages for free. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter my code BEAT, B-E-A-T, in the search bar. Add the family gift pack to your cart and get 77% savings. It's a gift guaranteed to be a hit. All right, let's get into the Seattle Seahawks game from last weekend. So this Seahawks game, you know, first of all, people need to chill out about how, like, big or small a loss this was. This wasn't out of, sure, the game was at home, which is a little bit, you know, the, 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 the home loss in, in you know, standings categories is, is kind of the most negative part about this. But remember, this is an out-of-conference loss. So this doesn't really, in, in terms of the season as a whole, it doesn't really matter too much that you went toe-to-toe with the Seattle Seahawks at home for, you know, for 60 minutes and lost because you couldn't execute a fade touchdown pass from Rob Gronkowski with 12 seconds left. Like, that doesn't define your season. If anything, I think it was better for the team and for the NFL that they ended up losing. Just because we haven't had a football game like that all season long. That was by far, no, like, not even close. That was the best football game of the year so far. So, best football game of the year so far. Last came down to the last 12 seconds of the game. You know, it, it, fourth and goal. So people, I, I said this on the Patriots post game show that you know you, you look at the the options that they had. Like, what were the options the Patriots could have done there? They could have run the ball to Garrett Blunt, thrown a quick out to Julian Edelman, or thrown the fave to Rob Gronkowski, which they've all, which they've done like you know dozens of times. You know, you have about a seven with the with the weapons that the Patriots have at the goal line. I think it's fair to say that every time they get to the red zone, they have about a seventy for. 75, 70 to 75% chance of scoring. You know, whether it's still Gronkowski, Edelman, Amendola, Edel, you know, Blunt, whatever. So you have a 75% chance of scoring. You have Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. You can't get mad at the Patriots saying, hey, we're going to take the greatest quarterback of all time and throw a ball up to the greatest tight end of all time and say, hey, maybe we'll catch a touchdown there. Like, it's just... it. It's one of those things that no matter what you do, there's equal amount of opportunity for failure. Because, you know, they could have run it with the Garrett Blunt, and he could have gotten stuffed. They could have tried to throw it to Julian Edelman. The ball could have been batted away. They could have tried to throw it to Fade to Rob Gronkowski, and Tom Brady could have been a little bit off with the throw. Look, Tom Brady had been throwing dimes all game long. Why don't I, I, I see the... I see the play call. I understand the play call. It's way different than Seattle Seahawks calling a pass with Marshawn Lynch. Way different situation. But I see I see the reasoning behind it. I see the reasoning to not do it. But at the same time, I, I agree. I think it was the right call there. They were probably expecting them to go LeGarrette Blunt at the goal line. And they wanted to keep them off their heels a little bit. Cam Chancellor, you know, covered as well as you possibly could. There was no defensive pass interference there. If, you, if you're going to call pass interference there, the, the league is lost. So I'm, I'm fine with no pass interference call on that last play. But, I, you know, I, I said this when I was talking to Song. You know, the, the Patriots' defense as a whole was bad. The, it wasn't a scheme problem. It wasn't a, oh, would we have played better with Jamie Collins problem? No. The, the players on the defense played poorly. They just, they played bad. It happens. Sometimes your good players play bad. Malcolm Butler didn't have a great game. Dante Hightower probably played his worst game of the season. The defensive line didn't do anything. Jabal Sheard saw 15 snaps because Bill Belichick doesn't think he's earned it. You know, Malcolm Brown didn't have a good game. It just, you know, no one had a good game on this defense. And that's fine because it happens. 
Just be happy that it happens during a game that in the grand scheme of this season won't really end up mattering too much from a standing and record standpoint. Pages currently sit at 7-2. and two. You know, they, they, I believe they, they've only lost one game in conference this year. They haven't lost. No, they only lost one game so far in their division. You know, they're 7-2, guys. Relax. <laughs> still one of the best football teams in the NFL. This is still the best team in the AFC. This is still the best team in the AFC East. I think we all need to relax. I think they will adjust after this game. And also, before I move on, it needs to be stated. For as bad as the Patriots defense played, Russell Wilson was incredible. Russell Wilson played the best game he played all season, was fully healthy, was matching Brady throw for throw, and looked absolutely unbelievable. I love Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. If you don't think that Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback in the NFL, you're, you're kidding yourself. You are, you are going out of your way to take away credit from a guy who has earned all of it. Like he's... You know, some people think he's too cheesy. Some people think, you know, he's whatever. He's the all-American dude. Whatever. The guy's a great quarterback. And he's going to be the big reason that the Seattle Seahawks team is going to end up being in the playoffs to, for the long run. Would it surprise me if the Seahawks team made the Super Bowl? No, absolutely not. This Seahawks team is incredible. Their offensive line finally seemed to congeal a little bit and not let up a lot of things. I mean, they couldn't really stop Trey Flowers all night, but that's, you know, that's for another day. I told you Trey Flowers was eventually going to come around. But it needs to be stated that for as good or bad as the Patriots defense played, the Russell Wilson was unbelievable, and I think it, it needs to it needs to be presented that it wasn't all the Patriots defense just being crap. Russell Wilson played amazingly. Doug Baldwin played really well. Uh, they they did a very good job against Jimmy Graham keeping him down. So we'll see how they adjust this week to Colin Kaepernick. I think they're going to try to go with a more conservative pass rush again to try to keep Kaepernick inside of the pocket. It's just what they do against running quarterbacks. They've done it twice against Tyrod Taylor. It's what they did against Russell Wilson. They play off of these running quarterbacks. They'll let them sit in the pocket and throw the ball down the field. And if they do that against Kaepernick, they're going to be in trouble because Kaepernick has a good arm. Kaepernick can throw it from the pocket. So they're going to have to find a way to force Kaepernick to be uncomfortable but not let him get outside the pocket and use his legs to his advantage. So, this game against the Seahawks, whatever. Move on. Move on from it. They have a, 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 a very interesting schedule for the rest of the season. Miami's now starting to look really good because Tannehill's getting his feet under him in, in Gase's offense. You know, the, the Jets are still a disaster. But the Broncos, they still have a huge game in Denver in a couple weeks. So, just... Except that this was a, a great NFL game, except that you can't win every single game that comes down to the wire. You know, they, they lost by a touchdown with 12 seconds left at the goal line. Sometimes you just lose those games. It's fine. Sometimes you just lose the game. So, uh, you know, good game by the Patriots offense, fighting a very good Seahawks defense. The defense needs to improve. But besides that, I think there's a lot to be happy for going into this week's game against the San Francisco 49ers. Should be a fun one. Tom Brady's return to San Francisco for the first time in his career. Will he live up to the challenge or will he fall to the wayside? It remains 
to be seen. Excuse me. But before we get into our featured guest segment of the week, which is going to be Doug Kide, the Patriots beat writer from Nesson, just want to let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. I use Blue Apron a couple of times uh, since I've moved into my apartment in Boston. It's really great. It's pretty cheap. It uh, allows me to get all the ingredients for the different uh, uh, for the different mass uh, meals I cook for myself being a college student. So I definitely recommend it. You know, you can get less for less than ten dollars per meal. Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home cooked meals. Blue Apron knows when you cook, you need incredible ingredients. You can make some incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. So a couple new things that they have. They have a variety. They have new recipes are created weekly and not repeated within a year. So choose your meals from a variety of recipes or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. They also have flexible or easy. The flexible is when you can customize your recipes each week based on your preferences. And then the easy, which each meal comes with a step by step easy to follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less check out this week's menu get your first three meals free with free shipping go to blueapron.com slash patriots you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait that's blueapron.com slash patriots blue apron a better way to cook we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back we will be joined by doug kide the patriots beat writer from nesson Are you sick of buying off-the-rack suits but are worried about spending too much on a fitted one? It's a shame because every man looks better in a suit. Indochino is the place for you. They make made-to-measure suits and shirts that fit you perfectly at an incredible price. They only use the finest fabrics, and you get to customize the details you want, including your lining, lapels, personal monogram, and more. So how does it work? Go and visit their Boston showroom at 85 Newberry Street. Pick from dozens of fabrics, colors, and patterns. Choose all of your custom whether it's your lining, your lapel, and more. Get measured by a style guide, kick back, relax, and get ready to step into a perfectly fitting suit in just four weeks. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $389 when you mention code PATRIOTS at the Boston Indochino showroom. $800 made-to-measure suit for only $389. That's over 50% off. So go book your Boston showroom appointment at Indochino.com. Go to Indochino.com to book your appointment at their Boston showroom. And again, get any premium suit for just $389. When you mention code PATRIOTS, you won't beat this deal anywhere. So go out and get your suit today. Welcome back into Patriots Beat. It's now time for our featured guest segment. This week, we are honored to welcome in Doug Kide, the Patriots Beat writer at Nesson and at Nesson.com. Doug, I want to start with, with your whole, t- uh, with you on Twitter because recently, I don't want to say you've been defending the Patriots defense, but you've definitely been preaching a lot of patience among the people who tweet at you. But this past weekend, I don't know, the patience kind of went out the window. What did you see from this past weekend? I mean, I think what I've kind of been trying to fight against is the notion that the Patriots' defense is uh, atrocious or horrendous or, you know, among the worst in the NFL. And I guess I would still kind of say that. They were bad on Sunday against the Seahawks, and it was certainly their worst performance of the season. But I, I just kind of preach not overreacting about things. And I guess you could panic after seeing that game. But Seahawks are the best offense they've faced this season. 
Um, it was a very poor performance, but I think there's some fixable things in there. I still wouldn't say that they're the worst defense in the NFL. I still wouldn't use a word like horrible or atrocious, but at this point, you kind of have to look at them and say that they're, you know, average or maybe mediocre, slightly below average, somewhere around there. This past weekend, a more, more of the Patriots defense playing terribly, or is it Russell Wilson just being the first great quarterback they faced? And basically, it was Russell Wilson finally looking like Russell Wilson for maybe the first time this season. Yeah, I think it was a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. Uh, the Patriots defense certainly didn't help themselves in some situations. There were some communication issues. Uh, some guys didn't really know what their job was on some plays, and there was just some performance issues too, where they, you know, ran their scheme as well as they could, and they just weren't good enough. But there were certainly other times when Russell Wilson was just a really, really fantastic quarterback, and that's who you are. That's who you face when you face Russell Wilson, and it was probably his best game of the season. Uh, the way that he was moving in the pocket, that he was throwing on the run, some of the throws he was making, the velocity on his throws—it was all pretty spectacular, and. uh I think the Patriots also kind of underestimated Doug Baldwin a little bit out there. They focused a lot of their attention on Jimmy Graham. And I wouldn't say they ignored Baldwin, but they definitely didn't treat him like he was a number one receiver. And that was kind of a fault of theirs on Sunday. You ask me, this wasn't Jamie Collins being missed from the Patriots defense. It was just kind of a general, you know, Patriots defense was playing poorly and they just played poorly. It had nothing to do with Jamie Collins. But it was very clear that they didn't, they weren't really prepared with someone to fill that role because CJ Procise obviously destroyed them. That was usually Jamie Collins' guy. So what do they do? You know, this upcoming week against the 49ers, they don't have a, a C.J. Procise kind of guy. Carlos Hyde is not what I would call a receiving running back. So do you think it was just a bad matchup for the Pats defense, or is it a major hole that they need to fill? Well, I think they did miss Jamie Collins just because the guy who was behind him played pretty poorly. And that was a Landon Roberts. He wasn't great in the run game. Uh, you know, struggled to cover C.J. Procise on a couple of plays. So, I would actually argue the other way that they did miss Collins. I'm not sure if that will continue moving forward. Like you said, against a team like the 49ers, it won't be quite as glaring to not have that player on the field because Roberts can basically just focus on the run. He's not going to have to cover a, a player like ProSize who was a former college wide receiver. So I think as long as they're facing teams without that, that great pass catching back, they'll be okay. But if they face a team that has – uh, a pro size type or a David Johnson type or, you know, one of those really great receiving backs who can show some versatility. I think they could have some trouble uh, without calling them there. So from this past weekend, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, what would, what should the Patriots have done at the goal line? And it's kind of hard to argue against, you know, giving the ball to Tom Brady, arguably the greatest quarterback in the game today and having him throw the ball to Rob Gronkowski, the best tight end in the NFL and instead to give the ball to Garrett Blunt, who has two touchdowns. Did you like their call, or do you kind of play like I do and kind of see both sides and just, you know, it just didn't end up going their way? I can kind of see both sides. I didn't agree with the first play, where they really didn't seem like they were trying to score. I think that when you're going up against a defense as good as the Seahawks, you have to take all four downs to try to get into the end zone there, because that really wound up hurting them. They didn't get in on second, third, or fourth down. The game was over. If they had you know, tried to pound it in on that first down if they had made it, then I understand them not having trust in their defense. I understand the lack of confidence there, but I think that you have to weigh that risk that 
the Seahawks might be able to march down the field just to get in the end zone and ensure that you're going to get in the end zone. But, you know, I, so I probably would have only ran one CD keeper. Uh, I probably would have handed off the block twice. And I didn't have that big of a problem with a fade in the end zone. Those plays to Gronk are pretty high percentage that it's either going to be a touchdown or a flag. So I really didn't mind that play. But, um, yeah, that first down, I, I don't agree with that decision. So going into their game this weekend against the San Francisco 49ers, whatever you want to say about Tom Brady returning to California, this, that, and whatever, this at the end of the day is a 7-2 football team versus a 1-8 football team. This is one of the best teams in football versus one of the worst teams in football. But it is also an interesting uh, matchup for the Patriots because every single time they've played a running quarterback this year, like a Tyrod Taylor, Russell Wilson, their defensive game plan is to try to keep him in the pocket, go a little bit more conservative on the pass rush, and just make sure he doesn't beat you with his legs. Do you think we'll see something similar uh, this weekend, or do you think they'll try to put uh, Kaepernick under a little bit more pressure? I think they might try to put him under a little bit more pressure. That's certainly what I would do, because Kaepernick has struggled this season uh, when he has been under pressure. and he's uh, Obviously, he can beat you with his legs, but... He's not as good of a passing quarterback as, as Russell Wilson is or even as, as good as Tyron Taylor at this point. So I think that that's kind of how you force mistakes out of Kaepernick. I think that you, know, you do need that guy who's kind of spying him a little bit. Um, but I would certainly take my chances this week uh, on a couple of times to just pin your ears back and, and try to send five or six rushers just to, to get him under siege, you know, bail out your cornerbacks a little bit because they really – uh, been hanging them out to dry a little bit with a lack of pass rush and, and just kind of see if that works because this is a game that you can win even if you do make some mistakes, even if you like Kaepernick off for a 25 yard gain here or there. So I think that this is kind of where you experiment against a team like 49ers. Inside of that experimentation, do you think we finally see Cyrus Jones take the field on defense again, or do you think these fumbles during special teams is what is what's keeping him away from quality defensive snaps right now? I think they should give him a chance on defense, just see what he can do, because obviously the special teams thing is not working right now, and I think that you almost have to end that experiment for the season, because there's just way too many mistakes, way too many fumbles. Um if I were them, I would just throw him out there as either the number two or number three cornerback. I think that you might as well see what the guy has. He was a second-round pick for a reason. Uh, he's not that much less experienced than a guy like Eric Rowe, who didn't play a whole lot last year uh, with the Eagles. So, you know, I think they just have to figure out what they're going to do at cornerback and pretty much stick to it. And if that means, uh, you know, seeing what you have in Cyrus Jones over the next three games, and that means seeing what you have in Cyrus Jones over the next three games. But, They've been, you know, pushing and pulling those guys so much. They've been, you know, kind of jerking them around a little bit in there. And I think that they, they do need to find something that works, whether that is sticking with a guy or just trying something new, seeing what Cyrus can do. See, even see what Jonathan Jones can do. Maybe he's better than the other options in there. So this weekend we saw, or last week I should say, we saw Trey Flowers continue his breakout over the past three games. You know, he's had, I believe, what, four sacks now in the past six quarters? I think it's around there, maybe three and a half. But he's looked really good. Rob Ninkovich hasn't looked too great on the other side. And now Jabal Sheard isn't even playing. What, what do you make of this whole defensive rotation? Do you think, we'll, what's going on with this whole Jabal Sheard thing? What have you heard? It's really strange. I, I haven't really heard anything on it. It just seems like, you know, they're trying some different things out there. I, I don't think that Sheard has done much this season as a pass rusher. 
Uh, there were a couple of plays in there where he didn't look too strong as a run defender as well um, in the Patriots' loss to the Seahawks. So I think at this point they're just kind of trying some different things in there. And I think that giving a, a guy like Trey Flowers a shot makes a lot of sense because, like you said, forced action the last two games, last six quarters, uh, he's one of the few guys who is getting after the passer. He is a pretty strong run defender. Um, and that would be the guy that they would kind of have to lean on going forward to past 2016. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate for sure because he's a free agent and he was ba- probably banking on getting a pretty large contract if he had a good season this, this year, but he just hasn't really made enough of an impact so far. And maybe we'll start to see him, you know, get a little bit more snaps. Maybe he'll be that situational pass rusher on third down, but, Right now, they might as well see what they have in Flowers. Flowers is doing well enough that you, you kind of have to stick with them. So looking at a more matchup-to-matchup standpoint on the 49ers side of things, the only real big-time guy they have on offense is Carlos Hyde, who's had injury problems in his NFL career, but when he's been healthy, he's been really good. But he's kind of the opposite running back that the Patriots have faced this year. They were really faced... A, you know, a real power running back, kind of like a Laguerre Blunt, to be totally honest. They've played a lot of quick guys. Do you think that plays more into what they're trying to stop on defense, or do you think that's going to end up being kind of the, the thing that kills them the most in this game? No, I think they'll probably do pretty well against Hyde. I think that, you know, they, they aren't, they don't have a ton of speed on defense. They have those big guys up front, Valentine, Branch, Brown, even Hamilton. Uh, Hightower is a bigger guy who's not, you know, that, that super quick linebacker. Landon Roberts is more of a, you know, a, a gap filler than he is a finesse guy. So I think that this actually kind of plays their, to their strengths. I don't think that Hyde is going to do too much against them, but I think that the kind of backs that they're going to struggle more against are those guys like Prozides or like the LaShawn McCoys who are a little bit quicker and faster in that. So, you know, one, one final question before we let you get out of here. What what is your final prediction for this game? Because in in theory, this should be a pretty easy game for the Patriots. But at the same time, you know, we said that last year about Philadelphia, and this is another one of those games that might be a trap game if they aren't careful. Do you think they go into this with uh, a little bit more of a mindfulness based off last season, or do you think that they should just roll over this team? I think we should probably pretty comfortably roll over them. I, well, I think the line's like 13 points right now. I'm not sure if they, they quite for that. I'd say it's probably a two score game, you know, maybe win by 10 points. I think that that game against the Eagles last year was a little bit of a fluke just because there were so many crazy plays in that game. The, the punt return for a touchdown, the block punt, the interception, basically nothing swung the Patriots away in the entire middle of that game. So I, I can't see a repeat of that, but. I'm not quite sure if it's going to be a blowout. I think that the 49ers played the Cardinals pretty tough, could play the Patriots pretty tough, but I'd say, you know, 9-10 point win. Nice. Uh, Doug Kai, the beat writer, Patriots beat writer, I should say, for Nessa and Nessa.com. Doug, thank you so much for joining us this week. Absolutely, anytime. Have a good one. You too. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of CLNS Radio, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice, and live on CLNSRadio.com immediately after every single Pats game. Call in at 929 929- 
477-2386 toll free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the play of the game, and everything else that is going on with the four-time Super Bowl champions. Subscribe to the CLNS Radio New England Patriots post-game show on iTunes and Stitcher and the best way. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. It's now time for the Patriots Beat Pick of the Week. This week, I'm going to turn my attention towards the game in Indianapolis this weekend with the Tennessee Titans against the Colts. Definitely take the Tennessee Titans in this game. They are only favored to lose by three points and been playing some really good football recently. Marcus Marietta has turned into one of the better quarterbacks, better budding quarterbacks, I should say, in the NFL. And the Indianapolis Colts are just not a good football team. So take the Tennessee Titans favored to lose by three points. That is going to be my prop bet for the week. Also, remember, guys, Go listen to Patriots post game show after every Patriots game. Call in at 929-477-2386. I will be on about 15 minutes after every single Patriots game to give my analysis of the previous ongoings. But that's going to do it for today's Patriots Beat Podcast. If you want to help support the show, please please give us a subscription rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Today's show was presented to you by Indokino. Go to Indokino.com and use the promo code PATRIOTS for more than 50% off a custom-made suit. Also sponsored by Omaha Steaks. Go to OmahaSteaks.com and use promo code BEAT for 77% off the family gift pack. And by Blue Apron. Go to BlueApron.com slash PATRIOTS to get your first three meals free with free shipping. Music was provided today by High 209 and Joshua Morse. I want to thank our guest Song Park from KNBR Radio and Doug Kide, the Patriots beat writer for Nesson. For Patriots content manager Michael Longi, CONS radio executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Harris Rubenstein and this is the Patriots beat podcast powered by CONS Radio. Go follow me on Twitter at Sportsteen and I'll see you guys next weekend.